This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Hello, and welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Neimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this episode of Idea City on the Air, Mark Halpern speaks about the new philanthropy. Now let's join Moses as he welcomes Mark to the stage. So our next speaker offers a service that is the most personal among all the speakers that have been on the stage in this particular pod. And, and he's here because I know him, and uh, because this is what he did for me. The Shoemaker's Children, uh, I have a reasonably energetic life and don't always look after the personal details as well as I should put those kinds of things off. And so over the years, I'd accumulated a whole bunch of different insurance policies. Insurance policies for my cars, insurance policies for my knees, insurance policies for my home and the contents in it, and on and on and on. I wasn't completely aware until I spoke to Mark, and I spoke to Mark because he was running an ad campaign on one of our radio stations, a good ad campaign. I thought an unusual ad campaign that just leapt out from among all the ads that were playing. And since he was doing business with us, I thought I might try and do a little business with him. So he came over and he asked me to disgorge all of these papers which I'd accumulated on a random basis here and there over the years. And he took them away and he analyzed them and he did his bit of magic, whiz bang, up and down. And before I knew it, I had the same level of insurance, actually a little bit better. I had them all in one place. It cost me less money. And he got paid commission from the people that he rearranged these things with. I was better off. He was better off. And I felt a little more organized in my personal life. One other thing that Mark does is um, he talks to you about the stuff that is the most awkward and that you don't want to talk about. Like when you're going to die. And when you're going to die, where is your stuff? Where are those passwords? Where are the codes? Where are the documents? And I'm sure all of us, maybe most of you, are better organized than I am, but I kept putting that stuff off. Mark's persistent. He's gentle. He prods you, and he got me to get it done. So this is Mark Halpern. Thank you. 
Thank you, Moses. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. First thing I'd like to do is suggest, let's say somebody asks you they wanted to take you on a trip. But in order to go on this trip, they ask you to put on a blindfold. So you put a blindfold on, and they put you into a car, and you're driving about, for about half an hour. And after about half an hour, they get you out of the car. Remember, you're blindfolded. And they put you into another vehicle and sit you down and put on a seatbelt. Suddenly, you're sitting there, and you feel yourself going forward very quickly. And suddenly, you're sort of leaning backwards. You realize you're on a plane, and you're blindfolded. So after about an hour of this, they tell you to stand up, and they say, here, can you put this knapsack on? Just here, and, and just this string over here, and just, just stand over here, and suddenly you hear a big sound, boom. A door opens up, and a huge gust of wind, and they say, have a good trip, ah! And they push you, and you're falling from the sky, and you're blindfolded. And you remember the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner cartoons, right? Yeah, the, yeah, pull this, right? Fortunately, it's not a picnic basket, it's a parachute. And you're flying through the air blindfolded, you land, you don't break every bone on your body, and you pull off your blindfold, and you realize you landed on a farmer's field. And you see a big red pickup truck that's coming towards you. Must be the farmer that saw you falling from the sky. What's the first question you're gonna ask that farmer? Where am I? How many of us ever ask ourselves, where am I? How many of us ever realize that we have a blindfold on? And how many are courageous enough to take that blindfold off? I've been in professional practice for almost 30 years. And I can tell you, I took off my blindfold and I realized that an entire industry that often doesn't get too much respect and is very much misunderstood can be a huge opportunity to make some tremendous social change, to preserve families' wealth, and to create enduring legacies. And today I want to share that with you. Let's look at today's reality and share this with you because I think it's very important. The first thing is governments are not going to be capable of taking care of the elderly. This is not a political statement. This is a math problem. Baby boomers started turning 65 in the year 2011. I see any, boob any baby boomers out there? See some gray hair? Yeah? So. Uh, they're not, the, 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 there's a huge unfunded debt for this aging population in most of the industrial world. To add complication to that, we're living longer. 50% of babies who will be born today will live past 100. And there are going to be a lot of people long on life and short on money with a false expectation that there's going to be this big wealth transfer from our parents, the greatest saving generation of all time, to us, the greatest spending generation of all time. But they're going to need it for health care and they're also going to need it for taxes. We've also left an industrial age, we're in an information age, or I call it a misinformation age. Think Briex. And people are going online for information and they're not getting what they need. They're sort of surfing around and they're not necessarily getting something that's specific to their needs. Everybody here has heard of Freedom 55, right? Freedom 55 today is when your youngest child is 55. <laughs> And, and I kid you not, I kid you not, think of the kids getting out of schools today with huge debt, trying to find jobs, trying to buy real estate in Toronto or in Vancouver, it's just not, it's not possible. The nice part is, is that our society, people are looking much more for meaning. They're looking for something to make a difference, especially the millennials. Think of Tom's Shoes, Ten Tree. People are willing to spend more than retail for the option, the ability to be able to make a difference. My real start in the insurance business was actually on March the 8th, 1974. And that's my father of blessed memory died of a massive heart attack at the age of 50. I was 11, I was the youngest of four boys. My mother who was 48 at the time had to go back to work to support her family. Unfortunately, he was a busy engineer. There was no will. 
There was very little savings, and there was no life insurance, so it was very hard for us. Fast forward, I deal with some of the wealthiest entrepreneurs and business owners and affluent families in Canada, and you would think they'd have everything all together. But I would suggest that 80% of the time, as Moses said, they don't. They're so busy looking after their staff and their suppliers and their contractors and their employees. When it comes to themselves, they don't have a will or it's not up to date. They don't have anybody who knows any of their digital passwords. The insurance, what happened was when they started, they had a certain financial architecture and financial furniture that fit that. But fast forward, their financial architecture looks so different from what it did before. And now the furniture has to be looked around. So what we do is we help people through estate planning, bringing that up to date, and tax minimization strategies, and philanthropy. And that's really what I'm here to talk to you today about, philanthropy. So the challenge I feel is that most people have done investing, but nobody's really done planning. Planning is really looking at your overall situation and your life, your sort of your net worth cycle. And basically, as we go through life, you accumulate assets, and then you start accessing that, those assets. For most of my clients, unless they were to blow all their money in a penny stock, or they were to you know, uh, start spending frivolously, chances are they are going to have more money when they die than what they have today. So while they're the custodian or, or, or trustee for the next generation, what they also don't realize is that they're partnering with the tax department on that money. So people have to go through that exercise to be able to see that their $50 million estate is really only gonna be worth $30 million. So can we use some of that never spend money to try to preserve their estate for their family or for charities that they care about? People have to realize all of us have three possible beneficiaries to our estate. You have family, you've got the government, and you've got charity. And each of us can only pick two. Which two would you pick? So with proper planning, you could be remembered for leaving a lot of money for charity as opposed to writing a big check to the tax department. And it's simple math, very simple. I'm gonna just take this with you. If you give $2 to charity, you save $1 in tax. Okay, so if somebody owes $50,000 of tax, if they give $100,000 to charity, they get a charitable receipt for $100,000, and now they don't pay their $50,000 in tax, and now the $50,000 in taxes become charity, okay? That's part one. Or if you have a corporation, if you give $1 of charity through your corporation, it saves you $1 in tax. Coming up after the break. Just change your will and leave a fixed a percentage amount or a fixed amount to a charity of your choice. You do that, you leave money to charity, you pay less taxes. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Mark Halpern speak about the new philanthropy. We're going to go through a few gifting options and some creative ideas we've come up with in order for all of us to create an endearing legacy for our families. Gifting money or in a will or RSP beneficiaries or gifting stock or gifting life insurance, that's what we're really going to touch on. So easy, just change your will and leave a fixed a percentage amount or a fixed amount to a charity of your choice. You do that, you leave money to charity, you pay less taxes. Or if you don't want to change your will, just notify your financial institution if you have any registered money. They'll give you a multiple beneficiary form which you can fill out and have a charity name so that you won't be paying taxes on your registered money. And why is that? Because in Canada, the RSP or RIF is probably the largest tax time bomb we have. And the government of Canada is biased against widows, divorcees, and singles. 
The reason for that is if a husband and wife are together and one spouse dies, everything rolls over tax-free to the surviving spouse until they die. But if you're single, widowed, or divorced and you die, you're one incident away from a huge tax disposition. So if you have a million dollars of registered money and you're a single person, 54% of that goes to the government. There are strategies in order to leave more for your family and give that to charity. So definitely it's a matter of sitting down and looking at it. Another thing is the government has introduced 25 pieces of legislation since 1995 to make giving to charity easier for us. One of the best ways is by donating marketable securities or stock. Here's an example where somebody used to give $50,000 to charity and now they take $50,000 of shares which only cost them $10,000. So there's been a, a gain of 40,000. If they would have sold that stock, they would have paid $10,000 of capital gains tax. But now by donating $50,000 of stock, they've saved $35,000 in tax. And they've made a beautiful contribution to charity. And that's a great way to do things around your planning and creating sort of a parking, a parking lot for almost like a consigliere around giving charity. The last thing is there's not a lot of tax shelters left in Canada. Other than your principal residence, which goes up in value, you sell it, you don't pay any taxes. TFSAs are also tax-free. And lottery winnings in Canada, by the way, are tax-free as well. So don't buy your lottery tickets in the US. But the last one, also part of the Tax Act, is life insurance. And life insurance is just kind of a way to maximize a gift at a minimum cost. And I want to take you through a few strategies of these to help you. So one of them is going ahead, and every one of us might have some old life insurance policies sitting around. Consider taking one of those policies which would not move the dial on your estate planning and donating it to charity. So we just did something where a 73-year-old woman had a $250,000 policy she didn't need anymore, and she donated it to charity, and she got a charitable receipt for $70,000. It saves her $35,000 of tax. And going forward, now she pays the premium, and it's considered a charitable donation. So she's recognized for giving a quarter million dollars to charity at a minimal cost, and also saving a whole bunch of taxes. Or you could go ahead and donate a new policy. So let's say somebody wanted to go ahead and make a contribution to a charity of a million dollars. They could buy a policy, which is penny on the dollars, pennies for dollars, and be recognized for giving a tremendous gift to charity. Or let's say they had a tax bill. At the end of the day, their estate tax would be 500,000. Consider buying a million dollar policy and donating that to charity and now wiping out your estate tax bill and being remembered for giving a million dollars to charity. Just very simple ideas. In Canada, we have a benefit. Once you turn 65, you receive CPP, Canada Pension Plan. It works out to about $26,000 for a husband and wife. And this idea came to me a while ago, but I thought, what a great thing. Could we go ahead and use our government benefits to create charity? And the way it works is this. Most people get that $26,000, they get taxed on it, they reinvest it and get taxed on it again. The idea here is take that $26,000 and a couple can acquire a $1.4 million life insurance policy with that. If the policy is owned by a charity and the charity is the beneficiary, then the money they receive on CPP is considered a charitable donation. You pay no tax on your CPP and you're leaving a donation of $1.4 million. Another way to do it is take the CPP, pay tax on it, still get the policy, but donate that to charity. And now the charity will receive $1.4 million when you die, and your estate will save $700,000 of tax. Or the last one is, take your CPP, 
get the insurance policy, make your children the beneficiary of that, and donate your registered money to charity, which would have been taxed at 54%. Your family gets 50% more, and you leave a beautiful gift for charity. This is really the biggest disruptor that we're excited about. And this is where we feel that we could be creating well over $100 million a year for charity. And that's interesting because in Canada, $7 million of term life insurance every year lapses. It gets canceled because it becomes too expensive as you get older and people don't want to renew it. But what you could do is you could take those policies and you can get a valuation on them and donate them to charity and actually get a tax receipt for anywhere between 10 and 50% of the face amount of that policy. And going forward, the charity or another donor will pay those premiums. And you can be recognized for giving a beautiful gift. There are four kind of givers that we've noticed in terms of charity when it comes to it. One is some people want to be as below the radar as possible. Don't put my name on anything. Others want to set an example for others to give. A third, they want to do it because they want their name on a building. They want to be remembered in a, in a, for a legacy. And the other ones who like to give are people who see philanthropy as great for business. We're living in a time where we need to pass along those ethics and those morals and those legacies to our children, especially to our grandchildren. The way we see it is either through religion or through philanthropy, and they're not mutually exclusive. So we have to decide amongst ourselves, how is it that we want to be remembered? Can we pull off our blindfold and sort of say, hey, can I give this some time, and how can I make a difference? I'm going to finish with one story, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. And it's a true story about a guy named John Kluge. John Kluge died in 2010. He was a multi-billionaire at a company called Metro Media. He died at the age of 95. He was asked what was the greatest accomplishment of his life. Listen to the story, he said. He heard that there was an 11-year-old boy in the UK who was dying of an inoperable brain tumor. And this boy had taken it upon himself that he wanted to break the Guinness Book of World Records by receiving the most amount of get-well cards. He actually collected 35 million. But John Kluge heard about this and suggested that there was an oncologist in Pennsylvania that he had funded for gamma knife treatment and said, let's bring the boy there for a second opinion. The family agreed, they brought the boy there, they did all the diagnostic work, and the doctor said, I don't know, he says, I'm afraid if we do this operation, he might not get off the table. And John Kluge said, if this was your son, and this was the only option, would you do the surgery? And the doctor says, yes, he would, and the boy was operated on, and guess what? The boy lived. If he died, this would be a terrible story. <laughs> He kicked me off the stage. He lived for the rest of his life. That boy was so appreciative of John Kluge. But John Kluge, the multi-billionaire, said that was the greatest accomplishment of his life. We are all, we're not fortunate enough to have John Kluge's in our life, but each one of us, you don't have to be Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and the ex-Mrs. Bezos and giving you know, the gifting pledge to be able to become a philanthropist. All it takes is sitting down and figuring out how you want to be remembered. And I hope that you'll take that opportunity and learn about it. But the one thing I suggest is don't ignore it. There's just too much on the line. And we, I hope that you'll all have the clarity of purpose to go ahead and create lasting legacies for your families. Thank you very much for listening.
Well, I hope you agree with me. Uh, we spend so much time at a conference like this dealing in macro issues, something domestic, something real, something personal can be of assistance. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.